for over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, when is the last time you worried about bed bugs? Not, n- not in a while. <laughs> okay, well, it's probably because you're not in Paris. Uh, apparently there is a widespread bed bug outbreak that has taken over Paris during Fashion Week. Derelict. It's you know? a giant yikes. <laughs> oh, God. And, okay, so there's a Time Magazine story about the infestation and I have never seen a bed bug like close up up. I don't like it I gotta say I'm against it against against the bed bugs sorry to discriminate but no thank you yeah I know it's controversial but I don't like them I don't think bed bugs are good Uh, and it is kind of gross that they there was an outbreak in fashion week but I guess the lesson to be learned from this is that bed bugs don't see class (laughs) they don't see (laughs) they don't see privilege equal opportunity they don't, yeah, they don't care if you're having a big fancy party for clothes that make women feel bad about themselves. They don't care. Um, and I appreciate that about mm-hmm. them. Thanks, Bedbugs, <laughs> for sponsoring the show. Listen, it's a fun show today. It is a vibe. A vibe. A lot of news lot because of there's news. a lot of news to talk about. Um, we had uh, the first partner of California, Jen Siebel Newsom, join us. Uh, delightful delightful so generous with her time mm-hmm. so passionate about things that matter to most of our listeners and that matter to us and uh, honestly the state of california is lucky to have her uh we also have a special guest to join us for news oh my goodness i mean all the way from washington dc shaniqua mcclendon crooked's vp of politics is here to break down the kevin mccarthy news uh banned books week a preview of the supreme court term Mm -hmm. looks kind of talk about spooky fuckery fuckery laden (laughs) fuckery abounds but we are going to tackle all of it with uh hopefully some lightheartedness some jokes and then we get to sandy petty real fun episode good times And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who would love to read Melania Trump's ever-evolving prenup. Alyssa, if you <laughs> found and fetched that for me, I, the greatest present of all time. You know what? Let me get into that. You know I love finding things, Erin. <laughs> I love is, finding things. That is my uh, my Roman Empire. Uh, what is, what's going on with that lady? What's it's, she doing? It's got to be. I mean, she's still there, right? <laughs> Yes. I want, like, what's in the, yeah, I'm so curious. I'm so curious. It's it's such a mess, and I shouldn't, it's none of my business, and it makes me um, seem like. Is it our a, business, though? I feel like it's our business at this point. I mean. It's an, it's an ugly part of me that wants <laughs> to know about this. Like, I'm not proud of the part of me that's like, yeah, I want to see this. Like, it's it's an ugly part of me, but I, I'm owning it. I'm owning it. I want to okay. see it. I'm sorry. I can't. She lives inside of me, this ugly person, and I can't get her out. She won't leave. 
She's got squatters, right? She's got um, okay, joining us today for news, we've got a special treat, Crooked's VP of Politics, Shaniqua McClendon. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. She's here uh, in studio with me. Yeah, I'm in L.A. You're in studio. With, it's so nice. I know. I actually haven't seen the new studio, so when I walked in on whatever... Last week, I was like, this is really nice. It is. <laughs> it's very nice. It's, it's spacious. There is a chaotic yeah. mural on one side of the wall just to give everybody a picture. There's various objects, uh, some of which make sense and others of which don't. Lips. Lips. Is that a Nokia? An America phone. <laughs> There's all kinds of things in here. Um, I am really excited. We'd been planning to, on having Shaniqua on the show mm-hmm. because she was going to be in town. And it just so happened that the day before Shaniqua was going to be on the show, we had yet another unprecedented thing happen in uh, the federal government, and that was Kevin McCarthy being ousted as Speaker of the House for the first time in history. Merch idea. (laughs) Baby onesies that say unprecedented on them. (laughs) And when's the last time, like, you know, a white guy made history as the first to do something? (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I think Kevin McCarthy is, I mean, it couldn't have happened to a wormier, weaselly, more weaselly guy. Um, the schadenfreude is incredibly strong with this. Uh, basically, for those who haven't been following along, and why would you? Because this can be tedious if you don't kind of feed on D.C. misery. Um, but Kevin McCarthy was ousted on Tuesday from his position um, after Representative Matt Gates a Floridian sex pest, uh, (laughs) campaigned against him in the most annoying way possible. But Matt Gates, you know, it's like a broken clock kind of situation Mm -hmm. because Kevin McCarthy is so repugnant that you're sort of like the enemy of my enemy. I know. It's like (laughs) my hands under the table like, yes, yes. yes." (laughs) Go Matt Gates. Oh, (laughs) I feel so gross saying that. Um, And right before Kevin McCarthy lost his job, uh, the government had almost run out of money and shut down. So the reason that Gates uh, tried to oust McCarthy was because McCarthy committed the cardinal sin of working with Democrats in any way. Um, And when they passed a continuing resolution on in the wee hours of Sunday, Mm -hmm. uh, it only keeps the government open for another 45 days. So in mid-November, we're going to be dealing with this shit again, and we might not even have a speaker by then. Shaniqua, what do you make of this giant mess? I'm not going to lie. I know that, like, our democracy and... The country and all of those things are in the crosshairs of this, but it's been very entertaining to to watch. When Kevin McCarthy took forever to actually be elected speaker, all I kept thinking about was John Boehner and Paul Ryan and how you had I mean, this is they have they have a pretty strong track record. This is the third Republican speaker that the uh, Freedom Caucus has pretty much gotten rid of. But I don't know. He brought this on himself. He mm-hmm. agreed to a bunch of ridiculous terms. And I mean, I don't know if I thought he would make it nine months or not, but it it's just really interesting that the one time he decided to be responsible and keep the government open, now he's not speaker anymore. <laughs> and, um, and he's not running. I thought he would kind of keep fighting, but he's washed his hands. And now we're just going to watch this theater play out for I don't know how long. Yeah. And what I found really interesting yesterday, entertaining, I'll say entertaining, <laughs> 
um, was that the Democrats had a chance to mm-hmm. save him. Uh, Democrats could have broken ranks and all it would have taken is a few to just be like, no, he worked with us. We're yeah. going to keep him. And they just all kind of sat there and crossed their arms and like let them fight. Yeah. They just like popped popcorn, watched watch the proceedings. Alyssa, after McCarthy was ousted, he gave a speech that you actually were kind of moved by. Can you tell oh, me a little up. bit about... Way to team me up, you <laughs> asshole. Um... <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I watched his press conference. I watched him answer all the questions. And I was flamoxed. I'm like, where's this person been this whole time? Exactly. It's like, it is, I thought that it was that that Kevin McCarthy joins the ranks of, uh, you know, John McCain, Hillary Clinton, uh, Al Gore, of people who all gave the best speeches once they had been liberated from political life in some ways. It was like... <laughs> No, Hillary never gave a better speech than when she conceded to than her concession speech to Trump. And when she gave that speech, you were like, fuck, I wish she'd been doing this the whole time. But mm-hmm. he he let me tell you, he was talking about Nazis. He was talking about Hungary. I, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> Kevin took us on a journey last night. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I just I feel like you know, he will, I think he will be interesting. Like, will he leave? Will he resign his seat? Or will he become a fly in the ointment of the eight people? Like, like there is no greater fundraising machine really than McCarthy other, I guess, than Mm -hmm. maybe Trump, but like nobody really knows how much money he raises or like what's legal. So it's fine. But like, I don't know. What's he going to use that power for? Who's he going to fuck with? I mean, I feel like he is a petty bitch. I mean, he's mm-hmm. proved that his whole life, that he is nothing <laughs> if not petty. So we'll see. We'll see what uh, what he brings to bear over the next couple of weeks. I think he should get on a plane right now. The the, the closest, most direct flight he can possibly take. And open up Jackson. a sandwich shop. <laughs> he's got to go to no, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And he's got to get in one of those secret Republican buses yeah. and take it up of the evil Cheney mountain and crawl <laughs> on his knees groveling before Liz Cheney. Oh, because he broke, he fucked her yep. over. He fucked he her over. Did. Everybody who could have come to his rescue, yep. mm-hmm. he fucked over. The only person he hadn't fucked over who could have come to his rescue was Donald Trump. Right. Kevin mm, my Kevin. <laughs> my Kevin. Kevin McCarthy was one of the greatest enablers mm-hmm. of Donald Trump. During his presidency, he completely sucked up to him. Um, Shaniqua, did you – so you didn't expect Trump to do anything. No. I mean, look at January – Kevin McCarthy, it's like a, you know, toxic relationship that he has with Trump where Trump holds all the power. And the one time McCarthy looked like he might stand up after January 6th. He didn't. He said, oh, I didn't say those things that he was captured on tape saying. He on the like, floor exactly. of the house. Yeah, yeah. And so he, he, I guess he likes the abuse. I hate to blame victims, but, you know, he's done <laughs> a lot of stuff that is just, I don't know, it's really hard to to feel sorry for him because he's just been so power hungry and then he got it and couldn't keep it. Yeah, and a, and a report from the Washington Post on Wednesday um, as Kevin McCarthy battled this week to keep the job he would eventually lose, one very powerful ally did not come to his rescue, Mm-mm. Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a reported piece uh, in the in the Post about how Trump just sort of was like, yeah. I don't know. But I'm- he doesn't like him. I mean, McCarthy knows that, right? Like, Trump doesn't like him. And he's probably just going to keep talking crap about him. And I don't know. It's really and sad. And you, you do yeah. have to love, though, that... Everyone's on the floor last yesterday afternoon shouting on behalf of Kevin McCarthy, Jim mm-hmm. Jordan. They're all there. And now literally 
two minutes after his press conference ended. They're like, so I'm throwing my hat in the ring. Yep. Just want to put that out there. Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise. By the way, did not know Steve Scalise had cancer. Um... Until they were like, yeah, he yeah, might not run. Yeah, he maybe run. shouldn't be running for speaker if he's in. Has he yeah. not seen what he'd be facing? It's I like, know. dude, Who wants center it? yourself. Put your health first. Yeah. <laughs> a little self-care, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like if Kevin McCarthy had a biography come out, the title should be, and for what? Yeah. And for what? Perfect. He, he completely sold every piece of his yeah. soul in the pursuit of this job, Speaker of the House. He was so thirsty for it. He just bled with desperation. Every step of his political career was aimed at getting this. Mm -hmm. And along the way, he just let pieces slide. He he gave things up. He let pieces slide. He embarrassed himself. Mm -hmm. He aligned himself with Donald Trump, who has no track record whatsoever of standing with yeah, anybody, no anybody. Ever. not even his wife or <laughs> vice president. Yeah, right. I think I think Ivanka is the only person he's yep. ever been loyal to, and that's very creepy. So <laughs> he he's Kevin McCarthy gave everything up, mm-hmm. and now what does he have? He has an ex- incredibly unsuccessful, like kind of floppy nine-month speakership with mm-hmm. zero major accomplishments. Um, he did, like Shaniqua said, make history as the first <laughs> Speaker of the House to be ousted. Um, it just, it was like, an, and now what's he going to do? I mean, like, I don't even think he can be a lobbyist because, who's, you know, who's he going to go lobby that's actually going to listen to him now? He can, like, slink well, back to Bakersfield, run I mean, like, 200 members of Congress. Like, that's the thing. It was these <laughs> eight maniacs that, that ousted him. It's pretty incredible when you think about it. Like, who would want to be speaker? These eight people, or six people as it ended up being, are never going to do anything different. No. Like, unless mm-hmm. you make Matt Gates the speaker. Also, Aaron, you know, based on everything we have learned about McCarthy in the last few months, you know that the title of his book will be Speaker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. Nancy Pelosi sent a tweet yesterday, or on Tuesday, that said, that said, that had included the phrase, the house will be in order. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, oh, Nancy, that's so mean. And then so they kicked mean. her out of her office. <laughs> I was like, that's so cold, Nancy. Uh, but yeah. I mean, this never happened when she was speaker. No. And that's the thing. Like, I, I don't, like, Alyssa, you were telling me yesterday over text that McCarthy doesn't seem like an idiot. He seems like he doesn't have a soul, but he doesn't right. seem like an idiot. but he's not idiot. dumb. Yeah. yeah. There are plenty of people who don't have souls who are very smart. Though I will say this. I have never seen McCarthy seem less dumb than yesterday. You know what I mean? I'm like, where mm-hmm. was this level of like, like there were definitely moments mm-hmm. and it's it's like, I am a partisan person, but I can also be fair. Like if I think someone, mm-hmm. I don't agree with them, that's fine. But they can still be smart. I had no idea Kevin had that much to share. Like ever. He's, <laughs> he has just capitulated and cowered in the face of these lunatics for so long that it's like, I mean, I hope he lets his freak flag fly now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it seemed like he finally, like, had a spine. And, I mean, the problem is his stupidity in the beginning of this is what got him here. And now yeah. he's, you know, he's, I think, you know, he did the right thing. He kept the government open. But that's what happens. I mean, people say this all the time. You know, play stupid games. You win stupid prizes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And now, you know, we're, we're in an unprecedented territory where we don't really have a Speaker of the House. We have a Speaker yeah. pro tem who's named Patrick McHenry from mm-hmm. North Carolina. Who's like only power, by the way, is convening yeah. the, the, the leadership race. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like as Americans, we, we should be concerned. But wait, I have one more petty thing that I just can't listen to anymore. All the Democrats getting on TV being like, the answer is so simple. The Republicans just need to vote for Jeffries for Speaker. Who is spending their good time and energy putting that talking point in, the, in the DSCC or the D, the DCCC memo? Like, I couldn't. I was like, okay, you're getting muted now, too. That's some of the that's, dumbest yeah, shit I've ever heard. Yeah, that's a silly point. Happening. That's a silly point. But, you know, they don't have to. The speaker doesn't have to be a member of the House of Representatives, oh, which is we've crazy. we've learned that. <laughs> just, just pick somebody with a high Q score. You know, like a celebrity that's kind of beloved, like the Arnold Rock. Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Speaker. Come on. I would. You know what? I would. I would watch more congressional. Oh here, yeah, because he's very compelling. I'm here to pump you up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have to take a break, but when we come back, this week's interview. And welcome back. You are listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who want to ski and surf in the same day. Jealous, <laughs> Alyssa, over there in New York? Erin, I have leaves, okay? My foliage is thriving, so We've got leaves, don't too, get and they're all the same color, and they've fallen on the ground already. But you, you know what? Because they're dead. They didn't Skiing change. Skiing and surfing died. in the same— California is America's best state, and I'm not just saying that because I live here. I'm sorry. It is. It's, it's America's fine. best state. It's, fine. it's the, I'm telling, it's the greatest I'm telling state. New Mexico and Michigan that you have turned on them. So go ahead. I haven't turned on New Mexico and Michigan. I just think that they're not as good as California. All right. That's all. <laughs> all okay. Right. Okay. Speaking of California, our guest today <laughs> is the first partner of California. She's founded two organizations, Misrepresentation, which creates media about intersectional gender justice, and California Partners Project, which fights for gender equality and child well-being. She's a documentarian and a mom, and of course, she's married to a guy called Governor Gavin Newsom. Hmm, heard of him. It's <laughs> Jennifer Siebel Newsom. Welcome to Hysteria. Thanks for having me. So and I love that you love California. I do. I'm a transplant. I'm from the Midwest. I tried out New York, love New York, came out here, and now I'm like, I'm in it. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what is it like being first partner and working with your husband on political goals? Mm. I mean, it's great. It's fun. It's, um, the, you know, partnership makes the world go round. And so I've been able through this role to basically carry the work that I've always cared about, that I've always done, which is champion women and champion children and make sure that children get the best start in life. And so that's why we launched California for all women and California for all children. That's amazing. Um, so obviously you and your husband are both your own people. So you probably agree on a lot of things, but not everything. If you disagree with your husband uh, on a decision he makes as governor, do you talk to him about it or do you just kind of let it slide? If I disagree, I kick him out of the room. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we um, we totally, you know, have to give each other our unique perspectives, right? We're both individuals. We have had different life experiences. I've lived and worked and focused on women and children my entire life. I've lived all over the world. Um, he's a complete policy wonk. 
He knows so much more than me in certain realms. I went to Stanford Business School. I grew up in a conservative household. So we're constantly having dialogue and it's rich dialogue and it's rich education. But, you know, I completely respect and, and trust him. I will push him. Uh, but I also, you know, will respect his final decision. Um, and honestly, we're so aligned. It's um, it's. It's awesome. And I learned a lot from him because I'm not a political junkie. I don't come from this realm. I haven't studied and spent time in office. And so I obviously he is the governor. The people elected him. I'm there to support. I'm there to partner. And I'm there to show Californians that we're committed to partnering with them. And in particular, I'm really focused on centering women and girls through California for all women. And then again, on making sure that kids in California get the best start in life. Mm -hmm. And on your you've worked so extensively in the areas that you've worked. Have you ever had uh, a moment where you're like, oh, I taught my husband something about that he didn't know before, and this helped inform his decision-making process? Well, I definitely know that my films have influenced his thinking. If you've heard him talk about toxic masculinities <laughs> and the whole paradigm of power, control, and aggression, um, he got that from my documentary, The Mask You Live In, with misrepresentation. You know, you can't... Um, unsee what you've seen. And so he's completely uh, become educated uh, as, as a feminist. Um, and then I, I would, you know, most recently, my documentary Fair Play was all about uh, all of the invisible work that women have shouldered and the benefits to men and leaning into more care at home. So I think I have a lot more respect in the household right now <laughs> of, of having made that documentary and demonstrated to him how the benefits to him doing more at home, to partnering more at home, um, again, not just for him personally, you know, um, men who step into more care at home, they're healthier, they're happier, they have better sex lives, uh, greater longevity. Uh, but to the children themselves, they have better cognitive development, behavior, and long-term healthier relationships. So uh, again, he's, he's continually, he's a sponge and he learns from everything around him. And I think he's picked up um, a lot from my documentaries. You have been so vulnerable as a public figure. You opened up during the Harvey Weinstein trial and also about the death of your sister. At the time of the Weinstein trial, you said you were shocked by the level of misogyny that still exists. What exactly shocked you the most? And do you think it's gotten any better? So... I was shocked by the level of misogyny that's allowed and perpetuated, not just in the courtroom by the defense attorneys, but also by um, that's permissible um, that judges don't say, hey, hey, that's a rape myth. We don't like, are you, this is the 21st century. Are you not educated and informed? Um, but also that's um, in the, the, you know, population. I mean, I think, you know, in some ways when I made misrepresentation, and it premiered in 2011 at the Sundance Film Festival. Oprah bought it. It kind of literally made its tour around the world, you know, to standing room only audiences, um, packed crowds, the whole thing. I, you know, I felt like we were making change. And, you know, for all of the hard work of the women before me, I felt like, okay, the, you know, progress is happening. And then, you know, we had the advent of social media and the personal iPhone, and we started to see this backlash against against women's progress. We saw it with the 2016 election. We saw it with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And so 
but I still am an eternal optimist. You have to be to a certain extent. And so, yes, I was, I was shocked by the belief systems and the patterns that, that people still believe in rape myths, that they still um, don't believe women. Um, I come from a place of believing women, of trusting women, of valuing women, of wanting to center women and the feminine experience. Of course, you can't, you know, that's a generalization and we're not all the same. We don't all have share the same values. Uh, but I, I definitely um, recognize how much work we have to do. And really my documentaries, Misrepresentation, The Mask You Live In, The Great American Life, Fair Play, are all away are all about chipping away at the patriarchy through really um outing and questioning harmful gender stereotypes and norms and challenging all of us to partner uh to overcome them and to create a better future for everyone and i guess you know we, you know i was hoping when i formed the representation project after the premiere misrepresentation i was hoping we wouldn't still have to be in existence uh you know 12 13 years later and here we are still at it so you know i know cultural change takes time um in some you know in some cases it might be a 20 year plus process and so i'm in it for the long haul and that's why I'm so grateful for the opportunity to use my voice and platform to speak truth to power, uh, to challenge the status quo, and really to um, harness sort of the collective uh, understanding that we all have to recognize women's plight, especially marginalized women, vulnerable women, women of color, in addition to LGBT plus Q community, immigrant women, et cetera. And that as long as we can lift all of these communities up, uh, and when we lift all of these communities up and we partner together, uh, we will actually uh, achieve equality once and for all. Mm -hmm. So fall is here. And as you know, school has started. You've got kids. You know, you know all about it. Uh, mm -hmm. Your office does a lot of work to help California kids. Can you tell us a bit more about what you're working on now that kids are back in school? Yes. So from the get-go, we were committed to making sure that we again, give children the best start in life and center their well-being. And that starts with access to the outdoors. And so we launched a parks initiative with library parks passes where you can go and have access, free access to your state parks, um, just like you have um, at the national level with the fourth grade pass. We also have an adventure fourth grade pass, but also, um, you know, just again, to, to ensure that California kids take advantage and their families take advantage uh, of the fact that these are actually their parks. Um, not everybody lives near a park, and I'm a big proponent of time in nature and being together in community and exercising in nature. We also championed um, farm to school. Uh, so we, we started the groundwork so that when the governor signed legislation for universal meals, we could guarantee and continue to work towards improving and ensuring that those two free meals a day in schools are nutritious, delicious, and locally sourced and ideally on the scale of organic to regenerative ag. So my farm to school, our farm to school initiative, again, an incredible partnership with farmers, uh, culinary uh, experts, folks in sort of the food systems arena, educators uh, the and the like, um, has really been transformative and it's been a role model and, and really guide for the nation. And then lastly, you know, huge focus, obviously, on literature and reading. And I have a whole partnership with California State Libraries. And all of this is an antidote to the big thing that I just wanted to share, which is around mental health. We recognize um, that 
mental health in America was going on a sort of downward trajectory prior to the pandemic, it didn't help with children spending so much time online and being exposed to these digital devices in, in space. But it really, it just all kind of coincides with the iPhone and the rise of the, the super computer tablet in your hand 24 seven and social media. And so I'm a, a, as a mother of four young children, I'm a big proponent and advocate of making sure that kids have antidotes to time online and that parents have the support they need uh, so that those are just tools to connect children in positive ways and so that we can use tech for good, but limit all the negatives, which are uh, quite uh, expansive right now. Mm-hmm. And on uh, on the COVID note, um, the impact of those school years on kids is still being felt like across the country. There was There's more chronic absenteeism than before the pandemic. There's uh, failing test scores across the U.S. What can we learn from the current crisis in education nationally? And how is California working to overcome those issues in addition to what you already mentioned? Well, I'm super proud of what we're doing in California. I think probably many states recognize, as we did, um, how broken our healthcare system was when the pandemic happened. And given the fact in California, for example, that both healthcare and education are so, are locally controlled, you know, there's a lot of creativity that needed to happen uh, to basically ensure that we that everyone was sort of moving in the same direction of centering the child and their health and well-being. And so I'm really proud of all of our government all of our investments in the community school model just as I'm super proud of the state's investments at 4.7 billion dollars in revamping the whole youth behavioral health initiative and making sure that children get the support they need where they're predominantly at, which is at school. So we have this whole campaign um, and investment to grow the numbers of folks in healthcare, but also with education uh, that is centered around understanding that mental health and physical health are inextricably linked, but that as a society, you know, we all have mental health, right? And not all of us have extremes of mental health. A lot of us just have butterflies in our stomach. A lot of us just have um, maybe a little, we're anxious because we have a test or there's stuff going on at home or there's a big life changing event. And so really helping kids to name what they're feeling, but also what's going on and that a lot of it's normal, a lot of it's part of being human. And a lot of it's just a result of living in these fast-paced lives with technology that's coming at you 24-7, communicating to you where people have access to you. Um, and, and that's a, a real, you know, we're all kind of living in our limbic system and, and fight or fight, but with a lot of more stress than previous generations. And so a lot of that is what we have to address. And I think we're um, starting to invest in some really creative ways to look at the impact of technology on our youth hold tech accountable, and really try to steer them to be this force for good of connecting youth that that need that sisterhood, that partnership, that mentorship. Um, because again, it's steeped in so much ugliness and divisiveness and separation, uh, and uh, rather than sort of a connection, which is really what it should be all about. Mm-hmm. So I read in an interview that you did a couple months ago that in your office, you have a whiteboard and on the whiteboard, it says gender equity and it says support for survivors. And you mentioned before the California for All Women uh, program that you have. Can you tell listeners a little bit more about that? And, and you know, 
perhaps how it differs from a group like Moms for Liberty, for example. Well, my our gender equity focus through the First Partners Office and California for All Women is has a few pillars. One is pay equity, because we all know that women are not paid equitably in our country. California actually has some of the strongest pay laws in the nation and has a relatively smaller pay gap, but we still have a pay gap large that's larger for black women and brown women and also larger for mothers and LGBTQ plus women. So we have work to do and it's why I launched California Equal Pay Pledge when we first came into office. Uh, we and And by the way, uh, the pay gap obviously has historically contributed to the wealth gap for women. 87 California women lose $87 billion a year to the wealth gap or the pay gap, and it creates a wealth gap or furthers the wealth gap. And so we have a lot of work to do. Um, over 147 companies, including organizations and entities like California state government have signed the equal pay pledge. So we are making progress. Another one of uh, our top initiatives that we partner with California Partners Project on is um, ensuring that SB 826, which was legislation to um, guarantee more diverse women seats on public company boards, that that law was successful. In 2018, there were 15.5% women on public company board seats. Today, the number is 33%. It's kind of uh, stalled as a result of some uh, some legal uh, uh, conundrums and, and questions regarding its legality. We've appealed. Uh, we'll see where things lie. But I think that we have made the case that there are so many benefits to having diverse women seated around public company tables. The third issue that we've been champion is family-friendly workplace policies. The governor's, you know, championed. Um, everything from childcare to, or we have championed childcare to um, uh, paternal family leave, uh, paid family leave, and and that feels really good. Uh, he, we still, you know, could try to do more, uh, but the federal government kind of has to jump in here and and help us out. Um, separately, reproductive rights and maternal health are big issues that we're championing. Black women, in particular, still. Uh, and, and black and brown children are still more likely to die at birth and have complications than white children, even in California, even though we're doing better than most states. Uh, so that's one of our focuses. And then reproductive rights, California is trying to lead. We set up this 22 state alliance. I'm super proud of that. When it comes to violence against women, there is um, a lot that we need to do. Um, I've had conversations with different folks. I have an, um, a group committed to kind of examining this, just as we're separately really examining sex trafficking in the state. I'm not at all pleased with, with what's happening in our state with regards to sex trafficking and the fact that it's so blatantly in our face. And so we have a lot of, um, and, 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 gangs and perpetrators and pimps and Johns are all getting away with it. Um, and so, again, this is a travesty that's affecting a lot of um, border states and, and states with um, like California with um, a huge uh, immigrant population um, and just the vast size of entry into California and our ports and what have you. So we have work to do there. Um, 
And and I'm really excited because I'm diving into it in partnership with folks from Karen Bass to advocates like Mira Sorvino. Um, and it feels really good to be focused on providing any uh, strategic support to not just have these splatterings of legislation here and there, whether it's violence against women or sex trafficking, which is another form of violence against women, but really to have like a cohesive pa policy package um, that when we leave office, we know will center and, and ensure that women are in a better place in California. All right. Are there any young women in politics right now who make you particularly excited or hopeful for the future? Oh my gosh, I just spoke at an Emily's List event the other day and it was so inspiring. And um, I won't name names because there's so many incredible women coming up in the ranks. And then I'm ecstatic that we have LaFonza Butler as our uh, first uh, LGBTQ plus Black woman in leadership because she's a rock star. She is the best and brightest and will just do a phenomenal job for California. And I'm just so proud of her and her connection to women in leadership. And I will say, I started making my documentary Misrepresentation the other week. I've started shooting. I've been working on it for a while. And oh my goodness, these young women that I'm spending time with and interviewing, they are so inspiring. So uh, but again, it doesn't have to be all young women. There are some incredible older women out there who I have mm -hmm. such respect and admiration for. I just, the future is bright. <laughs> um, and I'm just, you know, I feel like we're really blessed in California and beyond um, and, and really looking forward to a bright future for women in America. Well, Jennifer Siebel Newsom, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a great conversation, and I'm personally very happy that we have somebody like you as close to the leadership in the state as we do. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to both of you. Take care. Thanks, Aaron. Thank Thanks, Alyssa. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more news. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on oh. a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch okay. napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. 
Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like denim shirt, denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. It's perfect. He is like, I think. My my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're they look like a security blanket that a thirty year old yep. still has, where it's just like a ball of string, and you're like, um, our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now, and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a on a short weekend trip, and they still looked great. It was like, Dad. Your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Reynolds Wrap. Reynolds Wrap. Potato wedges. Wedges. Olive oil. Salt. Mwah. Well done, hon. Well done, chef. Right. With Reynolds Wrap, cooking becomes so easy, you can feel like the chef of your kitchen. Easy prep, easy cook, easy clean. Reynolds Wrap. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious... You'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else Tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. All right, moving on to something that is bad for America, but not funny. Um, so summer was the season of exposing ethics violations in the Supreme Court. Uh, wow, Clarence Thomas, you are a busy, busy boy. Uh, now fall is here. The justices' summer break is over, and it's time for them to make some decisions. On the docket for this session, we've got the abortion pill, gun regulations, voting rights, social media cases, and more. The gun regulations one is particularly scary because it's like, should oh. people who, like, should yeah. domestic abusers be allowed to have guns? Why is that a question that needs, you know, debate? That needs I the mean, s- Supreme Court. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Use, use, a group, use the sense God gave you. <laughs> yeah. A group of people who demanded protection after they overturned uh, Roe v. Wade because they were so afraid of what people might do to them. And we're just going to say, oh, people we know to be violent and abusers. Let's let's, let's debate if they sh- should have guns or not. Guns. I, I'm, I'm aghast, but you know, it's, there's been a history on the Supreme Court of just completely blowing up gun regulations, Mm -hmm. and I'm not very optimistic. There's also that ridiculous abortion pill ban um, that was court shopped down in Texas and made its way to the Fifth Circuit, which is essentially the in the Fifth tank Circuit for, is exhausting. I know in the tank. Let's get rid of it. Let's have one fewer. So much. You get fired. Get that casmeric out of Amarillo. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, I if I had a nickel for every time I heard that sentence, Alyssa. I know, <laughs> especially on this podcast. <laughs> um, and then there's also a really troubling case. We talked about this uh, like a, maybe a year ago, a year and a half ago. Um, we saw 
that people who were disability advocates were mm-hmm. kind of sounding the alarm that this court might make moves to chip away at the Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm-hmm. The ADA, which was a law that was passed in the early 90s, signed into law by the first George Bush. Um, and it really provides a ton of protection for Americans with disabilities. And one of the primary mechanizations of um, the way that, it is, that it's enforced is people file lawsuits against businesses that are not in compliance. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're, you know, and you don't have to have visited the business. You can right. just— be a person in a wheelchair and you, you're like, that place doesn't have a ramp. I can't mm-hmm. get in. You can file a lawsuit. Or you can, like, get a phone call that's like, this place doesn't have a right. wheelchair. You can file a lawsuit. Um, there is a company that is uh, suing over whether or not that's allowed. Now, look, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a Supreme Court. I got talked out of that. Um, but there's something to me. It's like the the Supreme Court— this last session allowed somebody who hadn't even been asked. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, like sorry. You, go you ahead. Can, no, 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 Shaniqua, you go ahead. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this is about the the woman who sued to not have to make websites for gay couples, right, or wedding websites, and no one had ever asked her. Nobody to do had it. even asked, her. and no. they made a decision based off of it. And so, if she can do that and have a whole Supreme Court case that affects the entire country, this is. This is the same thing to me. Yeah. You know? And that was I, my first thought. I was yeah. like, I'm, am I— Where's the consistency? Yeah. Because it's not about that. They mm-hmm. are trying to shape our country into something else. And I think, you know, ableism feels like a form of bigotry that, like, we're still kind of okay with. It's not mm-hmm. as unacceptable as other ones. And in large part because companies get to say it's too much of a burden. It's going to cost us too much. But— Everyone should be able to access society and life in the same ways. And I don't know. I think as a society, we need to kind of shift and and be more protective of people with disabilities and ensuring that they have access in the same ways. But it, it just feels like there's just it's OK to say it cost us too much money. I mean, but the ADA is pretty, pretty tough, like compared to other laws protecting mm-hmm. people against discrimination. Alyssa, you're nodding. No, I was just going to say the one thing that I really appreciated uh, earlier this week was that the Biden administration was low key trolling the fact that this case was coming up by hosting a celebration of the Americans with Disability Act and the Rehabilitation Act. And I noticed it because it was on Selma Blair's Instagram Mm. um, as someone who has suffered uh, with MS for many years now. And I was like, good for them. Like, people have to remember, like, the ADA feels like something that is so utterly ingrained um, that it's like one of these things we think has been handled and and it's not. And also mm-hmm. in reading through this case, I didn't totally understand the idea of a civil rights tester, which mm-hmm. is what the woman was in this case. A civil rights tester is someone who works to uncover discrimination for the per- for the sole purpose of uncovering it, not because they have experienced it in the normal course of their everyday life. So I thought that that was, I was like, I did not, I learned something new today, Erin. I did yeah. not know what that was, but yeah, yeah. I would say one thing that um, that the the people that are that are suing over the the, uh, the enforcement of mm-hmm. the ADA are complaining that in a lot of cases, you if you're a tester su- who sues over the ADA, you usually don't get like money. Mm-hmm. Right. You just make the biz- force the business into compliance, mm-hmm. and they pay your lawyers' fees. Right. And so there have been lawyers representing testers for yeah. ADA who have inflated their fees to extract money. So the people, right. the only people that are making money from this yeah. are the lawyers. And right. that 
feels like yeah. I mean maybe that's, it's, I don't, don't think that's do okay. that. I don't think yeah. that's great. Like, maybe they there's should a, maybe... get their time and their fees compensated, but let's not get rich off this, all right? Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, and this also could have uh, implications for other civil rights issues. So if the Supreme Court were to roll back the ADA, it would be detrimental to the ability to um, talk about, address, seek legal remedy for discrimination mm-hmm. sought elsewhere. And it's really, uh, it, it really makes me nervous because, uh, okay, this is not the same thing, but, you know, there are certain people, I think, in the U.S. that are not considered by the general population as having a right to be a part of society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think for one of those groups is children. Mm-hmm. People are really hostile to, like, children being part of society, mm-hmm. children being incorporated into society, people with disabilities, the elderly. Mm-hmm. Like, we— there's this weird, I don't know, maybe I'm just picking up on some vibes, but there's this feeling where people who are not in those groups or directly affected by a member of those groups or taking care of somebody in those mm-hmm. groups, people think that they are entitled to a society where they don't have to encounter those people at all. Yeah. And um, and the ADA makes it so that disabled people can like exercise their right to yeah. exist in society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And enjoy it. And enjoy it, yes, exactly. Just just to, to go to a restaurant, to right. go to a hotel, to like even, you know, amusement parks. There's some mm-hmm. rides that are that are ADA accessible, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it just is um it, it's really disturbing. I, I feel like the Supreme Court isn't isn't it's an arm of the US government that doesn't aim in any way to make Americans' lives better. No. No. Um, you know, I not to bring up Beyonce, I'm always doing that, but um, <laughs> I don't know if y'all saw the video going around of a fan who was trying to fly to Seattle. He's in a wheelchair, and the airline basically said, we can't accommodate your wheelchair on this plane. And so he did not make it to Seattle <gasps> to see the show. Ultimately, Beyonce's team got him to a show, so he was able to see one, but it just kind of felt like, oh, you don't get to enjoy this thing because you, you know, you're in a wheelchair and you can't walk onto this plane and just sit down. That's and bullshit. Like I did not see else. that. That's bullshit. Yeah. You know, and so I agree. It just feels like there's not concern. I think it's actually more of what you said, less of not just concern, but people don't want to have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. But we're a collective society and we should. And I think something people should definitely remember, not be so short-sighted. If COVID has taught us anything, none of us is that far away from being, you know, mm-hmm. disabled in some way. And so wouldn't you want those protections if you were in that position? Um, and even if you're not, you should just want that for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Yeah, you're, you're right. COVID was like a mass disabling event, too. Mm-hmm. There are people, we, we still don't know who yeah. all is impacted by long COVID, who can't go upstairs like they yep. used to, who can't do things they used to. I mean, it just, it, it's a bad look. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that the Supreme Court chooses to reinforce the ADA rather than strip it. But yeah. I am, I'm not optimistic literally about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a case, we'll, we'll get more into this um, on a future show, but there's another case about whether public school children have a right mm-hmm. to choose names and pronouns affirming their gender identity or whether parents get to manage that. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally don't believe that children are property. That's right. just, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, they also didn't ask to be here. They didn't have to be. Your job as a parent to, is to, like, keep them safe. Mm-hmm. Your job as a parent is not to control them and, and teach them, like, ugh. Anyway, we'll, we'll get into that more. Um, but but basically, this is a law that deliberately targets and victimizes trans kids mm-hmm. across the country. And it is, look, if you do this to your kid, if you're a parent and you do this to your kid, 
they're not going to want to hang. They're not no. not going to want anything to do with no. you when right. they reach adulthood. So what are you? What's your like? What's your Why? end game? Why yeah. do it? Yeah, it feels it feels like they want to codify bad parenting into law. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, know. why are you being this way? And I imagine these are the same people who, when they're older and their kids do not want to help, you know, care for them, they're wondering why. Or even <laughs> more concerning, you see, you know, suicide rates or uh, depression and anxiety rates amongst. Um, children and teens um, in the LGBTQ community. And I'm not a parent, but, you know, I have a nephew and there are other children in my life. And I just can't imagine saying, no, you can't be who you are. I'm going to make your life harder. Like the world is cruel enough to have to come home to that just seems really, really like a bad parent. I, I really don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, <laughs> they should call this like, you know, any law that requires schools to follow the parents' directives on pronouns and names versus the children themselves. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the, you know, I got spanked as a kid and I turned out yeah. fine kind yeah. of ethos. <laughs> and it's like, you didn't actually. No. You turned out really you're actually not okay. bad, Cheryl. You're not doing okay. That's why you're in a fight at the Applebee's. Like, you <laughs> should not perpetuate whatever yeah. made you you. And it's what you just said about not, like, as if children don't have agency and rights over how they feel and, and move through the world. I mean, just because you're young does not mean you don't know who you are. Right. And it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's one thing to be like, look, you can't get a tattoo right. and smoke pot until you're 18. <laughs> or you shouldn't actually until your frontal lobe closes at 25 yeah. because it's just bad for your brain. But I can't stop you once you turn 18. I'm not going to facilitate it before then. Um, there, that's one thing. That's keeping a kid safe. safe. Yeah. But like making their identity not feel safe to them mm-hmm. in their home is like the opposite yeah. of that. I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. And I sometimes don't feel like a person and I would like to travel to Mars and form a colony. <laughs> and you're all you are all invited. Uh, we're also, also going to get more into uh, laws that are targeting abortion still. Um, but we're, we're going to just completely burn through our news time. Alyssa, you've got something that's a little bit more, it's like bad for America, but upbeat. What are they doing, Erin? Why do they want to ban Books. What is it about books that terrifies people so much? They're just, they're literally these people, moms of liberty, going up against the American Library Association. Who wants to fuck with librarians? <laughs> what is wrong with you if you're fucking with a librarian? If that's what? your enemy, you have problems. But yeah, I you're the love- bad guy. I love that the name of the, this week's, this year's theme for the American Library Association is Let Freedom Read. It's like, <laughs> take that, you freedom eagle on the back of your car, people. Like, <laughs> we're taking freedom back and people should be able to read. The one thing that I thought was so interesting when we were looking through this article, one, these people who want to ban all the books of all the books who that have been banned and challenged over the past year, the... LGBTQIA plus content is listed as a reason for seven of the challenges. What's that mean? It could just mean that a character is gay. What? Do, what? 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 That is yeah. the entire, the entire, that's it. That's all you have to do is be like, I don't like that there is a gay character in this book. And also these nuts have tried to equate LGBTQ representation to pornography. What? What? It, 
<laughs> it okay, doesn't make sense. We've got a whole character in Christian mythology that has her sexual status as part of her name. Virgin Mary. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's way more pornographic than, like, two adult men holding hands and taking their child to a parent-teacher conference in a book yeah. for children. Yeah. Something I think about is all of the fairy tales and things that I heard as a child. And, I mean, I think that has been a lot more detrimental to society than children being exposed to gay couples. Because how many young women or, you know, people millennials now are like, oh, you know— Guys are supposed to be awful when they like you. Like, it's yeah, all of these right. things that we've kind of incorporated into how we move through the world and live life. And they're awful. And they come from a lot of media. They come from books. They come from the stories that we were told. Um, there, there's this account I follow on Instagram. It's like a, you know, help women get out, get out of toxic relationships and stuff. But she's posted a few uh, animation, animated graphics and it's a therapist sitting with the different Disney princesses and one is like Cinderella and she's like so you dance with a guy for one night and now you think he's the love of your life and you want to be with him forever and Cinderella's <laughs> just kind of sitting there like oh and I mean those are a lot of the things but also that we were the told. guy that wants to be with Cinderella forever yeah. requires all the women to show their yeah. feet to him <laughs> so he's a weirdo yeah, on a top fucking of that. weird guy really Cinderella for a foot guy you would think that would be the like Oh, wow. Dodged a bullet. Yeah. Like, if I were Cinderella, my shoe fell off, and I was like, gosh, I really liked him. We were really connecting. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the next week I saw a poster that was like, you got to take your feet out, ladies. But I would be like, wow. Yeah. I won't be taking my nope. feet out for this guy. Just throw the other shoe out. Or, yeah. Throw it in the trash. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I guess this lady must not. She must be in the trash. Um, yeah, that's that's so true. Also, when I was a kid, I had. Did you have any of those like fairy tale books that were like the old school fairy tales? Like the one where the Little Mermaid was supposed to kill the prince, yeah, and then course. she died and turned into foam. There oh, were like wow. the Grimm's yeah. tales. Yes, of the the of one early with days. Where there was always people getting birds plucking out their eyes and their heart their heart was always in someone's hand yeah there was somebody <laughs> was holding their guts and like sleeping beauty and cinderella were like kind of wow yeah like some necrophilia weird shit weird shit yeah. that everyone thought was thought was fine Normal. they cut they cut stepsisters toes off didn't they in cinderella yeah yeah, yeah. they cut Thank their you, toes Caroline. off it was super <laughs> gross and metal actually i would listen to those a yeah. podcast with fairy tales as horror stories because they are all very scary. Yeah. I had one that was about three sisters and one had one eye and one had three eyes and one had two eyes. And Sounds the one like eye my and cats. The one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were mean to the one with two eyes. And it was just like, what you know? is happening? Everybody had lead poisoning yeah. back then. Yeah. It sounds like that's what needed to be banned. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I mean, look, also – I don't think that banning books from libraries is going to have the effect that uh, the people that are its most ardent supporters believe it's going to do. Like, when have adults trying to keep kids from doing something ever actually right. kept, kept kids from doing yeah. things? And now, I mean, people, kids can just get on the internet and order whatever they want. They can yeah. read whatever they want. It just, it's stupid and short-sighted. And if I'm honest... I feel like there's a larger effort, not to get all serious, to just dumb down our society. Yes. Because mm -hmm. when you have a dumber population, it's easier to control them. It's easier to make them think that, like, the craziness that uh, Donald Trump is doing is, is okay and normal. And then people want to feel smart. And so when you feed them nonsense that makes them feel smart, they feel empowered with knowledge. But it's knowledge that's really harmful. And I don't know. It just makes me really, really concerned uh, just – 
the attack on intellectualism and just mm-hmm. learning. And I think we're going to continue to see um, some just really harmful effects and sometimes violent and dangerous effects on society. Yeah. And and speaking of um, when we were talking about excluding people from mm-hmm. society, I feel like trans and gay people yeah. are in yep. those categories. Like conservatives in America want to turn America into a megachurch, mm-hmm. like a forever megachurch right. with like one of those pastors flying on the... <laughs> have you seen those videos on TikTok? Grifting at the front <laughs> yep. of the of the sanctuary like uh, Donald Trump. I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, I would not want to see him in one of those like... There's, like, videos on TikTok of megachurch pastors with the, like, Peter Pan harness to yeah. fly over the whatever. I don't know if that would work for Donald Trump. I feel like maybe <laughs> Better get out of the way. He'd have yeah, a wedgie. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Oof. Alyssa. Sorry. Horrible. Okay, I'm ripping Horrible. over here. I'm feeling loose. I'm feeling loose. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, one more thing. Um, this, we both saw this yeah. kind of being Boo. talked about this week. Um can you talk talk about the Women in Tech conference uh, and how right. it went? Orlando, Florida. Let me set the scene. I feel like <laughs> Sophia from Golden Girls. Sicily, 1940. <laughs> Orlando, Florida, earlier this week. Uh, the Grace Hopper celebration is a Women in Tech jobs fair. How nice is that, right? Let's try to make Silicon Valley and the tech world look a little bit more like America and let more women and people of color and non-binary tech workers have a chance to see what's out there. Well, you guys, there were some dudes who were like, not so fast. And they crashed the conference. Can you imagine the like WhatsApp, weird Facebook group, like whatever these, these men are communicating via, being like, yeah, fuck those bitches. We're showing up at their job fair. Like, What? Uh, women and children last, apparently. Yep. Uh, Forever and always. Yeah, it's, it was, so, like, the photos from that event are just like, guys, read the room. Get a grip, as my mother would say. Get a grip. <laughs> Ugh, that's, I, I, one of the reasons that people were flooding the, uh, the men were flooding the conference was, I've heard that many of them, in many tech workers have been laid off mm-hmm. over yes. the last, like, couple years. And if you're not from the U.S. and you need a work visa, people are getting to a point where it's kind of crunch time. Mm-hmm. Like, they got to get out of the U.S. or they got to get another job. Um, and so there is a desperation there, but also, like, I'm sorry, man, not an excuse. Yeah. I would, like, that would be an automatic disqualifier for me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If, like, if somebody showed up to a place that yeah. was not for them and shoved their resume in my face and took time that was supposed to be for somebody else, mm-hmm. no. You mean yeah. a bully? If a bully right. showed up and was like, <laughs> I want you to talk to me and only me right now? Yeah. Rose. I don't want you at my company. Yeah. I don't want you at my help. company. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that new girl boss <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> I don't want you at my company. Okay, so there you have it. That's the news for this week. Super sized because we're feeling, you know, super fresh newsy. This super week. Newsy. <laughs> Stick around. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty, aka Sandy Petty. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy Rails tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, 
followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. Before we get to Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty, some announcements for the class. Alyssa, we're big fans of Karyuma around here. Obviously. Yeah, they make cool, eco-friendly shoes we basically wear 24-7. I could not find mine today, and it was a crisis. Um, We're excited to be releasing our second collab with them, Karyuma and Love It or Leave It. There's just something about fall that makes you want to get new shoes. So why not get ones made with organic cotton canvas, natural rubber, cork, and recycled plastics? It doesn't hurt that they have tiny surfing dogs on them. They come in pink and black and feature a whimsical scene that absolutely will put some pep in your step. Plus, Karayuma plants two trees in the Brazilian rainforest for each pair purchased. Run, don't walk, but not until you get a pair of shoes at crooked.com slash store. So as we mentioned earlier in the show, this week is Banned Book Week, and Crooked is using this time to say, how fucked up is it that we need to have something called Banned Book Week? I totally agree. You can show your support for authors and librarians by shopping new merch from the Crooked store. They've got Are You Afraid of the Books tees that are perfect for spooky season, kids tees, and onesies that say, Read Me a Banned Book, and newly refreshed Free the Books merch. Whether you're a bookworm or just someone with a personal hatred for Ron DeSantis, we got you. Now book it over to crooked.com slash store to shop. All right, time for Sandy Petty Alyssa. Sanity corner or feeling petty this week? I don't know what you'd call it. Maybe a sanity corner. I'm just, let me just say, I am enjoying the little snippets coming out of Trump's trial. Like <laughs> he's showing up. And I want to say like months ago, weeks ago, whatever it was, I was talking to Pfeiffer and we were like, Alyssa, what's the one thing you would do if you were Trump? And I'm like, 100% news conferences before or after I walk in, like they're campaign events. It's genius. 
But you guys, he's literally going to court because he doesn't trust his lawyers. And like he maybe shouldn't because this was delicious. He was getting all bent out of shape because he was denied a jury. He's like, this judge doesn't like me and I don't have a jury. (laughs) Maybe because his lawyers forgot to check the Uh. box asking for a jury. (laughs) I mean, he is... What? Like, it is deli- – watching every time they pan, like when they do a photo spray or whatever of, go- of what's going on in the court, it is like The Office meets Parks and Rec meets an episode of Veep. I mean, Letitia's just sitting there looking like cool as a cucumber. I like, know. I have set this up. This is playing out exactly as I hoped. Trump is sitting there with the worst posture I know. He's got the worst posture. His hair is overly styled. He's got a full wave going to the side, meaning someone's blowing that shit out with a round brush every single morning before he goes to work. And I just am enjoying it. But the look on the lawyer's face, it was all over social media. Just, just, it was all over Twitter. It's all over Instagram. The look on the lawyer's face when the judge was like, yeah, it's because your lawyers didn't check the box. She was like, look, I have IBS. I've seen the look. (laughs) She had the look. She gave us the look. So anyway, that was my enjoyment. Uh, The Republicans have really been giving us a lot this week. In general, it's a sanity corner for the ages. uh, The week of of, uh, October 7th or whatever this is. Third, fourth, (laughs) whatever. Oh, man. Um, Yeah, I I love the the trial is just full of colorful characters. Yeah. Yeah. Bad for America, but funny. Yeah, bad, bad for, America, for America, but but we funny. we've earned we've earned these moments of levity. Yeah, and yeah. you know, a few couple months ago, I posed the theoretical or the hypothetical: who would you want to see least coming to your front door? It was like Tish, James, yeah, Ronan, Ronan Farrow, also bad. <laughs> yeah, I think Tish, I, Tish is definitely number one at this yeah. point. I would not want to see her coming to my. I would be like, no. I don't know you. What that means? She already has everything in place, and you're going down. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, she's ready. Okay, so uh, I have a sort of like sanity corner slash I feel petty. It's just such a weird story, and I don't know what draws me to it, but I want to talk about Katy Perry's fight over a $15 million compound and the law <laughs> that might be named after her because the, the allegation is that she took advantage of this old man. Okay, so Katy Perry is currently in a legal battle with the founder, the family of the founder of 1-800-Flowers. Um, <laughs> this is my first time hearing all of this. So I'm very intrigued. Oh, okay. sit back. <laughs> so, uh, so basically, Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom, who I like every time I learn they're together, I'm like, what? Oh, that's Every so time it's like weird. hearing it for the first time. <laughs> yeah, it's like Legolas plus teenage dream like whipped cream boobs like that doesn't it's like okay um so basically Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom purchased this 15 million dollar Montecito like estate mm-hmm. in uh in apparently 2015 or 2020 and uh but the family of the guy filed suit to stop the real estate transaction because they said that he is like old and didn't know what he was doing so um they claim this is from a Jezebel report. It claims that Car- Carl, is the guy that, that sold the property, was not in the right state of mind to sell his new home when he signed the deed over to Perry and Bloom. He'd just gotten back surgery and was on prescription opiates. And he'd also been suffering from some cognitive decline because he had Huntington's disease. And he'd only just bought the house two months earlier and planned to live in it forever, according to the family. Um, so they sued Perry and Bloom to stop the deal. And then the count 
The couple countersued. The trial began last Thursday, and Katy Perry is expected to testify. Now, there is a new... There is a new uh, law being proposed called the Katy Perry Act. <laughs> Quote, Stop. The Katy P-E-R-R-Y Act addresses the risks of elder financial abuse, especially as it relates to property and real estate. Trials. Could you oh. imagine? It's against her. It's against her. Her name is. Yeah. The Perry Act stands for protecting elder realty for retirement years. Uh, And it has the backing of 38 bipartisan state and local politicians in California, according to its website. The goal is to keep anyone over the age 70 at least 50 yards. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) I'm reading the Jezebel article. So it it basically makes a 72-hour grace period for certain real estate transactions where the – the person can be like, oh, wait, no, like they can claw yeah. back and think about it, um, especially if they're like an older person. Um, so, yeah, it's just like very funny to me. And also Katy Perry has always seemed like a fine person, like mm-hmm. a lovely mm-hmm. person. Um, and I and I liked Teenage Dream, thought it was a really <laughs> good pop album. Um, but it is really funny that she was like kind of one of the pet pop stars of like the Hillary Clinton campaign. Mm-hmm. She was like poised to be singing the national anthem at the inauguration like there's all (laughs) all of these things were lined up and then i think in 2016 when everything went sideways katie perry kind of lost her marbles yes yeah right because didn't she didn't she endorse uh rick caruso yes right for mayor in la yeah Yeah. she did it seems like a screw got knocked loose and it did not ever get knocked back she didn't find it she didn't find the screw that got knocked loose. Um, so, yeah, that uh, that is, I don't know. It's just like a fascinating story of Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom trying to steal a mansion from like an I know. Old... It's icky. You don't do things to old people. No. Yeah. At the same time, they did kind of have a really charmed existence in the U.S., right? Yeah. It's okay to steal from baby boomers. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Don't do it. Um, don't okay, do it. Shaniqua, uh, are you feeling sanity corner or petty? I'm feeling really petty. Um, So I've enjoyed all of the drama with McCarthy and and Trump and his court case. But we have a black woman in the Senate again. And we haven't had one since Kamala Harris uh, became vice president. And it's just really been overshadowed. I mean, obviously, there are people paying attention to it, um, probably especially Californians who, um, you know, Dianne Feinstein passed away um, was that last week? I don't know. What's time? Okay. <laughs> Who knows what time is and how long it takes? Passed away last week. Um, and so, you know, her seat needed to be filled by Gavin Newsom. And he chose LaFonza Butler, who I guess now we can say previously was running Emily's list. But, um, you know, she's only the third black woman to be in the Senate. And that feels really historic. And it just hasn't been at the top of the conversation. We've, you know, it, it just kind of feels like history doing what it does, where you have men, in this case, two white men who are just taking up a lot of airtime with their nonsense. And we're not focusing on this historic thing that just happened. And I feel like the same thing happened with Justice Jackson. Yeah. Like yeah. something happened right after she was sworn into the Supreme yeah. Court. And, and it was like, oh, it just sucked yeah. all the Oh, that happened. Yeah. 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 It, this is not the same at all. But it even made me think about uh, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff winning their election on January 5th in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, can we enjoy nice things that are historic? Georgia elected a black man and a Jewish man. And then the next day, crazy people stormed the Capitol and that just completely got overshadowed. So that's, you know, 
I'm sick of seeing stuff like this, but I guess I just talked about her. So I guess every time a good thing happens that mm-hmm. you're excited about, you should short the stock market because <laughs> <laughs> yes. the hedge good point. Again, com- good something's point. coming something, something is, is coming something is always coming and it's usually like within three days and you're no, like oh, yeah great you don't have to wait long <laughs> <laughs> uh, well what are you most excited about with uh senator butler i'm just excited to have and i don't want to reduce her down to representation but there are no black women in the senate and mm-hmm. um it's it means that there's like a perspective missing and i don't mean that she represents uh, the interests and beliefs of all black women, but to not have anyone in there, um, it, you know, that's been hard for me to just kind of see because a lot of other groups are making progress. Look, the Senate's still not diverse, like point blank period. (laughs) Um, But to see other groups making progress and having representation and just someone to kind of speak to their issues, it's, it's hard as a black woman to not see that. And so, Again, she doesn't speak for everyone, um, but I, I think it's good that she is is just there. And seeing the picture of Kamala Harris swearing her in, you know, I'm not someone who will say the world is great and right because we have representation and, like, there's, you know, moving photo ops. But those things still do matter, and, mm-hmm. it, you know, it was nice to see happen. And um, I, I don't mean for this to sound mean because Senator Feinstein did pass away, but— California now has a Two present functional senator. yeah. senators. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It, although she is a registered Maryland voter. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. That, there's, yeah. I have, she's, I, not, she's not perfect. I have lots of thoughts. I, you know, I was going to start this with that caveat. <laughs> I was like, I know people have lots of feelings. And my first thought when I heard that she was selected was, does she even live in California? Um, but, you know, all that aside, I, I think, if this, I think people kind of have accepted how ridiculously disproportionately white men are represented mm-hmm. on Capitol Hill. They've just like accepted it. And um, I think if there were, if it was actually representative of the whole U.S. population, there'd be like 13 black senators. Yeah. And there'd be thir- like 25 Latino senators mm-hmm. and it would be half women. Yeah. Um, but it's, and it's not, just not. It's just not at all. Yeah. Well, that is a great sanity corner, uh, and that we're getting close to the end of the show, but we got a listener shout out, guys. A real marine biologist, <laughs> a real marine biologist named Liv. Liv writes to us. I was thrilled to hear you talk about marine biologists on this week's episode. I felt so seen. I'm here to tell you that yes, marine biologist is a real job, <laughs> <laughs> and you have at least one loyal listener who is one. Specifically, I work on coral reef conservation and restoration in Florida. Oh, doing the Lord's work! Thank goodness. Uh, developing and implementing intervention strategies to help corals survive in the face of climate change. They really are sensitive to extreme heat, so we're finding ways to boost their heat tolerance. Uh, this work is more important than ever after this summer's unprecedented marine heat wave, the ocean experienced just as bad record-breaking extreme heat as we saw on land. My colleagues and I spent the summer documenting the mass bleaching and death of so many corals in Florida, which has been completely heartbreaking. Going forward, we need to work harder than ever to make those that remain stronger, and most importantly, to curb emissions and slow climate change to give these important ecosystems a fighting chance. Thanks so much for all you do. Love listening to you ladies. Every week at work, while I conduct my experiments, I love that. <laughs> that was wonderful. I love being a the marine biology experimentation 
soundtrack. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for writing, Liv. If you, other listeners, besides Liv, Liv, although you can email us again, Liv, we love hearing from you. If you want to get in touch, hysteria at crooked.com. That email is checked by the production team and me and Alyssa. Mm. So, you know, don't don't confess things that you only <laughs> want one of us to know because we're all going to know. Um, and that's all the time we have for this week's episode. Thank you to Jennifer Siebel Newsom for joining us for the interview. Alyssa, thank you for being my ride or die. Shaniqua, always a pleasure. So Thanks. glad you're here. Come back again more frequently, please. Yes, that's a plan. Thank Great. you. Thank you, because it was really bumming me out. <laughs> um, thanks to you, listeners. There will be more hysteria next week. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. And Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. And thank you to Julia Beach, Ewa Okulate, Amelia Montooth, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on Instagram and Twitter for more original content, host takeovers, and other community events. As Hysteria listeners know, there's a lot going on in the world of reproductive rights and justice. Some states are trying every trick in the book to ban abortion. Others are demonizing trans kids. And just wait until the Supreme Court sets its sights on birth control. Staying on top of this stuff can be exhausting, unless you listen to the incredible podcast called Boom! Lawyered from Rewire News Group. It's hosted by Imani Gandhi and Jessica Mason-Piclo, who are two of the top legal journalists in the country. Believe it or not, Jess and Imani make it fun as hell to unscramble the chaos around the courts and your rights. Search for Boom! Lawyered. That's B-O-O-M, Lawyered, in your favorite podcast app to get smart, stay mad, have fun, and fight back.